this is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're living that life of spousal abuse on the road as we watch Spine 219 in the Criterion Collection, Federico Fellini's La Strada from 1954. But first, RJ, you know, it's been a week since we last spoke, and uh-huh. uh, it's like... It's like a whole new world. Uh, I honestly, like, I honestly feel like last week was like forty years ago. So, like, I think from the time we finished recording, uh, like right then is when the world changed, huh? Pretty much from the time I uploaded that episode mm-hmm. till it was like over the course of Thursday, as like one thing after another. Like every minute, mm-hmm. every minute there was a new update. There was a change. And, uh, you know, I remember like Thursday night, I was like pacing around, ranting, mm-hmm. talking about the state of things, like what the fuck's going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been uh, every day has been like that, too. Now, and every- here we are. Here we are. Is this the it- respite, though? Is can, Could this serve <laughs> as the, the red mm-hmm. circle, maybe like a chill circle of uh, <laughs> calm for our, our dear listeners and ourselves? Uh, I don't know what it is, Jarrett, but all I have to say is I, I have no idea what the state of the world will be in next week. Lord Humongous is probably, I, I know he's a popular character in the media right now, so things could change quite a bit from when we start this to when we finish I, that as well. Anything could happen. And I, I will say, I know uh, some of our dedicated fans are probably concerned about our, our well-being as we are in... Uh, uh, as we talked about it last week. So just to uh, address it, uh, I uh, I was traveling two weeks ago and uh, I have heeded the government of Canada's advice and I am isolating in my house, you know, just to be careful. So I, uh, I highly recommend everyone else does it too. You I, know, I think everyone should just stop leaving their house. Yeah, in, in, absolutely. In general, I mean. Yeah, what's... that's what... It's what we've been saying for years. I mean, we we saw we've been trying to give advice like that for years. It's like stay home, watch movies, stop talking to people, stop mm-hmm. touching people. Yeah, stop. do whatever you can. Just stop. It's the it's a Baylog dream, really. To stay at home. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew's like you're probably loving this, eh? And I was like, well, I was like, the circumstances and the context make it a little bit less enjoyable. Yeah. It's like, otherwise, I would love to just stay home and watch movies, but uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, so what's new with you, man? Uh, well, as of today, I'm working from home. Nice. As nice. By, as ordered by my employer. Apparently, uh, mm-hmm. I might. I, I don't know. Uh, there could, I think there's an email that might have changed this, but I will be going in maybe on Friday to uh, basically relieve other people so that one oh. of us is around to do stuff, but I think that might have changed. So uh, we'll mm-hmm. see, we'll see how long till uh, inevitable layoffs occur, because I don't know how long these uh, businesses relish paying people to work from home. Wink, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, tend to emails and uh, mm-hmm. cook cook dinner. <laughs> well, if uh, if our elected officials uh, are um, have a say. Uh, people are not allowed to be laid off, right? Because of the certain situation or, or we'll see, I guess. Right. Yeah. Who who knows? Well, I mean, fortunately I technically work for the government, but, uh, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out Mm -hmm. long-term, but boy, it's not a, it's not a good time to be a, uh, 
a self-employed person or a freelancer or a contractor or really anybody mm -hmm. working in restaurants or bars. It's not fun, but apparently nope. help, help is on the way from some, if you live in some countries. But. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I feel bad for anyone who uh, has to go out there. I'm with you, man. If you, uh, if your job has not released you yet, that's too bad. I, uh, I've been, uh, I was like immediately, as soon as the world changed on Thursday, I've been locked into my house. So, but I do have like, I mean, I, I guess my employment was also a fan of that because they just, as a directive across all of it, they're like, everyone stay home. And I was like, okay, you made, you made it a lot easier for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, pretty, pretty wild, huh? Pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know what? That allows for uh, a little bit more downtime to do the finer things in life. Watch, like watch movies. Even. Sure. It's, it's kind of nice, kind of nice. But before we get to that, let's let's talk mm -hmm. about some of these emails we received. I was uh, okay. kind of worried. At one mm -hmm. point, uh, midday, we had no emails, not a, not a oh. single one. And I was kind of like, huh, it's almost like people are preoccupied, uh, too busy perhaps to uh, think, hey, I should write into uh, my favorite podcast. But mm -hmm. and, and you know what? I wouldn't blame them. I don't blame them at yep. all. But yep. uh, a, a few came through. And first Thanks. up, returning, <gasps> Axiom Jackson Maximus. Oh, my gosh. What, how long has this hiatus been? It's, it seems like several weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his email is entitled, Leave Italy Alone. <laughs> Did, does he think we're responsible? Hello, creeps. I know it's been a while, but after recently hearing your episode on La Ventura and the constant slander you directed Italians, <laughs> I made it my duty to write in and call for an end to it. I've always mm -hmm. meant to give my two cents on the listening speed, as you guys have mentioned listening at 1.5 before. I personally listen at two times speed, and it works just fine. Mm -hmm. But when I heard RJ watch LaVenture at one and a half speed, I was appalled. <laughs> the movie wasn't good. It wasn't good, you guys. Even Jared agreed that he didn't like it like that much, right? Right. Down in Washington State, the outbreak has postponed me returning to in-person classes until April 24th. That's mm. it? Oh, man. I th we're, we're done up here. Mm -hmm. they, uh, the, the likelihood of even like any schools returning this year is doubtful, they say. Like until June, I mean. Oh, I, I mean, there, who knows? I mean, it could be <laughs> like, well, we might be giving 2020 a miss. Like, mm -hmm. potentially. that, mm -hmm. And I was uh, curious, Jackson continues, as to how it's affecting you guys and other listeners as well. <laughs> well, I guess we've kind of uh, caught up on that to a degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. D d I mean, I'm kind of just waiting for at this point for uh, yeah, all restaurants to be closed. Right now, bars are closed. Mm -hmm. uh, the goddamn Park Place Mall is still open, RJ. <laughs> you can go, in, go down there and get some kernels. Oh man, that seems, it seems like a, a misstep, but, uh, what do I know? I, I'm, I'm part of the cautious crew. That's just like, is like stay home for weeks at a time. No problem. It's like, I'll never leave again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I, I can't imagine who, uh, I can't imagine the people who work there are very happy. No. Oh, well, actually the big one has been grocery stores. Um, oh yeah. Uh, having gone to a grocery store twice in the last week the first one was kind of like you know it's regular grocery shop and then mm -hmm. come monday there was the new fear that was sinking in of like oh 
this is really bad. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Maybe it's time to top up. As, as a coincidence, it was like, oh, running low on flour, running low on rice. Time to grab those things. Oh, what's that? Nowhere to be found? <laughs> That's good. No, no milk, no eggs, no fresh meat. Oh, no dry pasta. Just, oh, well, good. But the, the strangest mm. one, RJ, mm-hmm. no jello. I think uh, you were stunned silence. I didn't hear anything you just said. Oh, I said, is it because it has a long shelf like shelf I, life? I or? suppose, but like, why, why, why do you want Jello? What do you want with milk? Like, There's, frozen, yeah. fro- freezing milk is horrible. It tastes, it doesn't last. You take it out, and it'll be bad almost instantly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what we loaded up on? Hmm. Beans, canned beans. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, they got protein, they got nutrients, and. Uh, they, they'll keep us until 2022 uh, at, at the at the latest. Andrea got like, we we didn't do the panic buying, but Andrea did buy about $40 worth of canned like beans and like tomatoes and stuff because yep. she, she was like, it was there. She's like, that's what I wanted anyway. So no well, one else was getting it. Well, apparently there's actually no food shortages. It's just that people are hoarding and, yeah. and panic buying. And apparently mm-hmm. there, there's there's lots more where I came from, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm glad we have uh, our bean preserve, uh, regardless of the outcome. And hey, if everything's cool in a month and we have too many beans, I guess the uh, the food bank's getting a whole lot of beans. And you can really put your toilet paper to good use at that point. <laughs> oh, I uh, I think I'll I definitely need a bidet. Definitely got to buy one. <laughs> just cut out the middleman. Cut it out, yeah. Or I just hop in the shower if it gets bad enough. <laughs> Use that spray wand. Sure, sure. Following last week's episode, Jackson mm-hmm. asks, I was hoping to hear some more thoughts from Jared on Army of Shadows. Um, mm. And what also was curious as to what he thought on Todd Haynes' safe. And finally, mm-hmm. I'm supporting Jared's suggestion that RJ checks out Love Exposure. Given the sheer mass of films you've been consuming recently, I'd say it's mm-hmm. an optimal time to watch this excellent film. Keep mm-hmm. up the unprecedented work, Axiom Jackson Maximus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Army of Shadows. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I, I've only seen it once, and I remember when it came out on Blu-ray. It was kind of a big deal because that's the first time that had been really readily available at all in decades. I guess like it had been. Had, it was gone for a while, and then it got released theatrically, and then it came out on Blu-ray. And my mm-hmm. buddy Corey bought it, and I don't know. It could just be like I've seen a few other people kind of be like lukewarm on it, not be like super impressed. But for us, like we're like super into this like gritty World War Two French cinema stuff, and this movie just checked those boxes so much. And like it mm-hmm. just felt like this like incredible secret movie that we were like watching for the first time that you could ever watch. And so it was like that might have added to it. I don't know. One day we'll be watching it too, RJ, and maybe it won't hold up. But like I. I thought it was like there's like these int- incredibly tense scenes like throughout. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's about the uh, French Resistance during World War II, and oh, okay. yeah, it's uh, yeah, great stuff. It's I I mean hmm. it, it has like it looks great. I remember, but yeah, yeah, good stuff. And as far as Todd Haynes is safe, uh, I do own this. I I saw it before it came out from the Criterion disc, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you do you know safe. I I have heard okay. uh, my buddy Meat w- once was like, "Do you know about Todd Haynes's horror movie?" And I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "Is it a horror movie?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> He's like, "That's what they tell me at least." And so I, I checked into it, but I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, it's about a woman who becomes uh, allergic to everything. Oh, fitting. Yeah, and then she kind of like starts to self isolate. 
completely. Mm -hmm. And then more and more and more. And then there's no solution. It's just self-isolate from people and from everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw it once and like I had pretty high hopes for it, but Mm -hmm. there's always something about Todd Haynes movies that I just don't go for. I don't know what it is. It's his, his aesthetics, his decision-making. I just always like, oh, this is like the best idea. And this is what you did with it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Again, I'll, I'll give it another shot one day. Um, mm-hmm. And I do agree with Jackson that yeah, you should be watching that watching that uh, love exposure. Uh, is it available on streaming platforms? Probably not. Let me see, because if it's not, I can't I can't access it. <laughs> this is true. Let me check. Just watch. There you go. And the uh, love I'll, exposure. And I will continue on reading our next email. Thank you, Jackson. Nice to have yeah, you back. Thank you, Sam Sanchez, with an email entitled email. <laughs> Female, uh, so love exposures on Apple TV, but you have to pay for it. So uh, no dice, my man. Bullshit to that. All right. Mm-hmm. Sam writes in, emailing in from work, still working mm. despite all the COVID hysteria. Though it looks Yikes. like that might come to an end soon. Mm. I think that means working, writing in from work as opposed to as opposed to the COVID hysteria. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Just writing in with a random question. Are there any movies that are very prominent for you guys growing up or in your teens that you just never uh, hear about now? I'm assuming for RJ or Robert, it's that mm-hmm. Taras Bulba movie. <laughs> yeah, Tar- Taras Bulba. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a deep pull from Sam to bring that up. For me, I remember watching a horror movie called Mikey from 1992. Oh, I know that Mikey. It's mm. my sister rented a few times. And I would just wa- rewatch it over and over again for some reason, despite only being like 12 and haven't seen it since. And I've only seen it referenced once in the last 20 years. And it was a random dude asking for it on video or vinegar syndrome on a message board. I think about the movie pretty often, but never bothered to seek it out to see if it's actually worth watching. Just been willing to let the memory sit there. Anything like that for you guys? Well, take care. Keep isolating yourselves. Mm. Good call. Uh, well, what do you think, Jer? I'd have to go. I'd have to go do a dig here. I'm gonna look at my uh, films and see if there's the most obscure stuff that I've got going from mm. maybe the '90s. I think Taurus Bulb is a pretty good pick. <laughs> I remember. I've. I don't know that thing at all. I don't know it at all. Me talking about Taurus Bulba? Have I ever mentioned that story on here? You have. I, okay. I, I, <laughs> it's a. You should if if that is available on a streaming platforms that's what you should check out this uh this month it's taurus bulba shit i see i want to i want to give this some time but like i don't know something from Mm. my childhood fuck i mean okay well i I think this isn't super obscure but it pops up space invaders from 1990 Mm. like okay it's not good it's not good at all but Mm. uh it's uh that would would, that would be it i guess off the top of my head Mm-hmm. Or uh, nothing for you, huh? <laughs> for me, uh, no. I think Taurus Bulba is a good answer. That's like better, better than mine. I can't even. Uh, I can't even remember how you spell it. I'll, I'm gonna look up Taurus Bulba. But uh, good. What? What was the question again? After I heard Taurus Bulba, I kind of uh, zoned out. Just like yeah, some, like it's just like the obscure, part, like the most obscure thing, like that you grew up watching oh yeah it's got to be taurus bulba come on yeah. like uh 
I don't even there isn't even a single person I follow who have seen it. Yeah. And um oh, it's on uh Apple uh movies, but you have to buy it. Actually, the one movie I'm surprised has very little views is Angus. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Yes, you have. Angus? <laughs> you you what, what is you, Angus? From 1995. This movie was on TV oh. all the time. Yeah, it didn't uh, there's another one too. Like, yeah, I've seen Angus. Yeah, it was like always on like Superstation or something like that. Yeah. I think. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I was always like fucking Angus. Look, 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 look at this latchkey kid mm-hmm. shuffling so, around. It's got uh, it's got considerable more views than Taurus Bulba. Yeah. But yeah, Angus is a good pull. I remember that movie. Latchkey kid. <laughs> huh? Huh? Well, son of a bitch. Yeah, I have to I have to think about it, and then next, but and at some point, I will be like, oh god damn it, this is, that's the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're uh, if we're a little slow to the switch here, I think it's just because of a, a grinding news cycle that uh, has worn us out. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. All right, finally, Justin Peterson with Ooh, an baby. email entitled "Quarantine." Oh, it, there's no escape people there's no escape hey jared and rj hope you're staying virus free Hmm. if it has not been asked yet have your routines been altered due to virus quarantines Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) yep uh well due to the coronavirus i get to work from home for the next few weeks welcome to the club Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. nice since i am not a morning person the downside is that i also now have to be part-time homeschool teacher for my second grader and kindergartner since you both have worked in education, are there any tips you can offer about surviving getting started as a teacher? Patience is my recommendation. Be patient with them. Try your best. Uh, from all the things I've heard of the homeschooling stuff, it's like it's like provide them with a, a good mix. It's like show them practical stuff like cooking or cleaning even and then give them give them some quiet time, give them some academic time, even if it's just reading a book or something, you know, it's a, I don't think there's any real right answers. There's wrong answers for sure. But, uh, <laughs> like, you what? know, what's the wrong answer? Just letting them do whatever. Probably oh. it's like, yeah, you should show them how to do stuff. Maybe, uh, take the time. It's like, be like, Hey, here's, here's a really cool movie called Roger Rabbit and write notes about it. And I want to hear a detailed essay from a second grader about what it really means. You know what I mean, Jer? Yeah. Um, my education tip, I usually am dealing with uh, university-age children. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they seem pretty hopeless sometimes, too. <laughs> but yep. uh, sometimes, uh, actually, the one that pisses me off the most, is, and this is like, uh, comes down on these gender lines, is I have, mm-hmm. it seems like uh, I have a lot of young women that will kind of just like say, I don't know anything about computers. I'm dumb. I'm done when it comes to computers. Oh, mm. it pisses me off so much because I never hear guys say it. But guess what? Guys are just as dumb. They're just, yeah. But but they never will say this. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you're not dumb. You just don't know how to do stuff. So get work that out of your kid's system. I'm sure the outside world, mm-hmm. once, once we come out of quarantine, we'll get back to doing that. But uh, mm-hmm. that would be, be a good one is uh, don't let that be an issue. I have no idea mm-hmm. uh what the, the makeup of your kids are or anything like that, but that's a good Genetically, one. do you mean? <laughs> Genetically. Uh, <laughs> boys, girls, what have you. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one to encourage. Yeah, that's or a... Un- that's or a... encourage. Be encouraging. Yeah, that's and a really... patient. 
and patient. Um, yeah, definitely. But that's what they tell educators now, right? They're just like, yo, it's like there's no more, no more can'ts. It's like you got to try, and, and no like self-pitying. It's like you, it's like go for it. There's no, no, I'm dumb or I can't do math. That's the one that drives all uh, teachers crazy. Is the people? It's like I'm just not good at math. And it's like, no. uh-uh, get over here and do math. <laughs> it's like you can do it. You just gotta. We gotta find a way to make it work. So patience. Patience. Right? Justin continues, I just had some very tasty Pizza Hut pizza for dinner that had chicken, mm. Italian sausage, olives, mushrooms, onions, and extra banana peppers. Hmm. Yes. What do you guys like on your pizza? And do you prefer New York style or deep dish? I prefer deep dish when I can get it. Um, yeah, I've, I probably New York style would be mm-hmm. my default. I don't mind that margarita style. Deep dish, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I've uh, had the approximation of it up here. They, they've tried. They've, they, mm-hmm. oh, how they've tried, but I don't know. I'm not that into undercooked cheese, and it seems like the deep dish increases the chance of, like, gooey mozzarella, which I'm not a fan mm. of. But uh, for toppings, I mean, it depends. It depends on my mood. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just want like a like four cheese pizza with like some black olives, green olives on top of that on like thin crust extra sauce. That's mm-hmm. delicious. Flavor country. Flavor town? You yeah. can put that on a shoe, hey. Yeah. Uh I agree with the New York thing. I've had Chicago in Chicago. I didn't go to the like the chain, the Giordano's or whatever. Um, my old roommate from Colorado lived there, so he took us to like a local place, which I imagine was probably a lot different from like the uh like the um advertised like a uh, deep dish that gets put out everywhere and that was good but i am a new york kind of pizza guy uh i i get ragged on for this but i i like pepperoni like no that's yeah, oh, yeah i'm just a pepperoni guy and it's like i don't everyone's like that's boring it's like i don't give a shit because this is the pizza i like yeah. sometimes i'll put like uh, our place here has the Canuck, which is pepperoni, bacon, and mushroom. Mm-hmm. That That's not bad. I don't mind the other ones, too. I'll try them. But if end of the day, it's like, what am I going to put down the most of? Pepperoni. pepperoni. Yep. There's nothing wrong with a pepperoni pizza. As long as their mm-hmm. pepperoni's good. It's going to be yeah. thin, thin sliced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to have that right, like, right little level of uh, almost spice to it. Like, not actually spicy, but after you put down, like, six pieces, you, you're like, ooh, I can really feel that pepperoni. Coming back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, pepperoni, for there, sure. There you go. Uh, my bad about not listing what movies I was going to see at the drive-in last weekend. I actually was mm-hmm. not 100% sure at the time. But we ended up seeing Onward, which actually had a Simpsons short ahead of it, and mm-hmm. The Call of the Wild. It was an all right experience seeing those movies under the stars. We decided to sit in camping chairs in fr- uh, the front row, and the worst parts were the bugs, and the PA system I brought to listen to it uh, on it had a really shitty FM tuner, so there was a lot of static in the sound, which bugged the shit out of me since uh, I am used to home theater quality sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's, that's taking your taking it with, with the driving experience. That I don't know if the sound is going to be very optimal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a, a downside. I think what this whole situation is showing us too is that even movie theaters are bad mm-hmm. just you can get the same experience at home almost right yeah without, some would prefer it without 
weirdnesses that we've commented mm-hmm. on many times. Mm-hmm. I guess Criterion's announcement announcement to release Portrait of a Lady on Fire will keep us all in suspense for the next decade until you reach spine <laughs> 1034 to get your opinion on it. But I will mm-hmm. not steal your thunder on the big Criterion announcement that I plan to pre-order once it is posted on Amazon. Hmm. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I know. R- real news or like entertainment stuff is just washing over me. I'm I'm not even... I'm not even registering it anymore. Past Criterion's episode mention of the week goes to your episode on Spine Nime Hardboiled, where you guys were still working on getting in a groove with the Who Hates This Movie segment, and you read reviews Mm -hmm. of people that, for some reason, hate badass action movies. I was super excited to hear the news that due to the virus, movies like The Invisible Man and The Hunt will be coming to VOD this weekend. I don't want movie theaters to die, but I love having that option. Mm, I agree. That's cool. It is. I, I might watch that Invisible Man this weekend. I was I was hearing some things about the Invisible Man. He's not like an Invisible Man. Is it metaphorical? He's a, he's got a suit with like with camera. It's like optical cameras and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. I'll well, reserve judgment yeah. until I see. It's not, It does. It still sound like looks cool to me. So I'll give it a go. Okay. Right. So, while working at home, my kiddos will often watch movies that I obviously hear and watch parts of. Do you think I should log these to help toward my end-of-the-year total? Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I'd yep. say no, but uh, RJ's right. We'll just go with that. Uh, the only reason I say that is because sometimes when I'm visiting my brother or sister and they throw a movie on in the background, I do watch it start to finish. Like, even though, like... I'm, I might not be watching it if I'm looking at someone else. I can hear it, so I feel like it counts. I don't. know. If people disagree, they can they can not log it, but I'm going to take the credit for it. Goat movie question of the week: What mm-hmm. are your greatest of all time Jake Gyllenhaal movies? I would mm-hmm. have to go with Nightcrawler and Enemy, and I am thinking I should check out Velvet Buzzsaw for myself, despite the fact that most people shit on it. Uh, well, you didn't like Velvet no, Buzzsaw, right? I, I did not. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna try to find uh, Big Jake. our friend Jake. I had um, see, remember when that person said that I looked like him? I still disagree with that, but do do you think I look like uh, old Jake? Just just in the eyes. Just in the eyes. Okay, uh, Mister uh, Gyllenhaal. I mean, off the top of my head, I would say probably Brokeback Mountain. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about that movie a lot on here, but uh, you have not I, actually. I love that movie, dude. Like, uh, me and Hammeet saw that in theaters twice. We uh, we loved that thing. Um, and that's like, I uh, I I talk about it a little bit in um, my uh, review of Call Me by Your Your Name because like I find a lot of people who like defend that thing are like like call up other like uh, same sex movies as. Like they're like, well, look at this, look at that, and then I use this as the defense in my thing, where it's like, I don't like scenes in Call Me by Your Name because if they were in this movie, it would have been like so blunt and like. Anyways, I I like Brokeback Mountain a ton. That's gonna be my answer. Uh, I uh, I always I always liked it. It was filmed around here, and then I had a teacher who said he was an extra in it, but we. But I think it was because he didn't think anyone would see it because we were in like grade nine or ten, I think, when we saw it, and uh, we went and we and we came back and we're like, "You're not in that movie. We caught you. We're like, stop lying. <laughs> like, we've seen it twice. We looked for you, man. You're not there." 
But uh, yeah, I'll say uh, Brokeback or maybe Zodiac. Okay, yeah. What about you? Yeah, Nightcrawler's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Zodiac, I think he didn't jump out at me in Zodiac. Like, I really mm-hmm. like Zodiac, but I don't think that's like a... Not, was, not his best? No, I don't think it's like... It's not the one I'll be like, oh, I, I kind of forget that he's in that movie. I'm actually surprised at how... I've, I guess I've seen 15 movies with him in it. Mm. But he's been in 55 movies. Hmm, what would I go with? It's tough, it's tough. Enemy? Enemy is also good. Brokeback Mountain, I've only seen once, and I also really liked it, but it's a faint mm-hmm. memory now. It's good, dude. It's worth revisiting. I, I uh, did enjoy him in Sisters Brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I guess, yeah, he was an end of watch, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember much about him in there. I haven't seen City Slickers, I guess, when he was a but a boy in that, mm-hmm. and then Bubble Boy. That's uh, getting a lot of play nowadays, too. It sure is. Mm-hmm. The original self-quarantiner. Well, I guess that's mm-hmm. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. He's got a lot to pick from. I thought you were going to say his breakout role is Mysterio. That's right. The, his the most popular movie now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of shitting on, what's a movie everyone instantly trashes when it is mentioned that you actually like? For me, Crash from 2004 comes to mind, but I've not seen it since it came out, so I'm curious to see if I will still like it. Thanks for the time, Creeps. Stay healthy and have a great show. Thanks, Justin. Uh, I think the obvious answer is Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, for me. There you go. Because it is very easy to hate on, but I stand by it. I thought I still like it. So, hey, maybe that Snyder Cut will come out in these dark days and uh, make the world a little bit better. Yeah, it's for me, it'd probably be a horror movie that I can't think mm-hmm. of off the top of my head. And actually, the one that I just brought up last week was the uh, the Dawn of the Dead, like, full version, the ex- whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, the extended cut. I like I, That's my preferred movie version, and uh, people dump on that. And I'm like, what's, mm-hmm. up, what's up with that? It's good. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think you're, you're usually against the grain anyway, so all of your opinions are probably controversial controversial uh-huh. oh boy I could look at the sad bastard and loser cinema list and see if uh, there's any that like oh well I think that movie's great and everyone goes what's wrong with you what about uh, Gummo and Happiness well, people do like those movies that's true I'm the minority on that probably right there's the one movie that uh, I have a real soft spot for and it could just be the subject matter and maybe the movie uh, blinded me to its shortcomings but Zero Charisma Hmm. I don't know that one. It's a. It was like a Kickstarter movie, so it's like an independent production. But it is about a. Uh, it's about a DM, a, mm-hmm. a, a dungeon master, and it's. I. I think the movie's like ama- like hilarious. Like it's really a. Uh, whoever made that, they knew what they were talking about. But I've seen some people think that it's like, the shits or something like that. But I don't know. I think it's pretty yep. good. Well, uh, I, I, you talked about that on the podcast like a year ago, didn't you? Oh, not, I don't know if I, I might have brought it up in passing, but I watched that oh. movie like, who 2013. Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah, I, I recall you talking about it, but maybe it wasn't, uh, wasn't on pod, just maybe in real life. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? 
yeah, I see a lot of people say this is one of the cringiest movies I've ever seen. There are people mm. that like this because they feel it emphasizes with it and or empathizes with it and accurately represents them. I don't want to go that far. I think it depicts mm. a certain type of person, though. But what what type? Uh, people are some some comic store denizens. Interesting. Do they uh, collect Gundams? Uh, no, they, they wouldn't necessarily collect Gundams, but yeah, I mean, okay. that, that probably, there's probably those types in their, uh, subculture. Some overlap. Yeah. So that's it for emails, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. hey RJ, mm-hmm. what you, uh, what you been creeping on this week? Uh, where to begin? Where um, to begin in the land of the self isolator? Probably, um, <clears throat> the thing is, uh, we mentioned how for the upcoming Friday the 13th, we were going to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Just a couple. And, uh, well, I thought, like, you know, previous Friday the 13th, I would go to work, I'd get home, and I'd be able to watch maybe one of the Friday the 13th series before the day was over. Yep. And I was like, cool, next time I'll watch another one. Mm-hmm. I, and I had full, uh, fully anticipated this year to be like that. Uh, but this year, uh, on Friday, I was at home all day. And uh, I was like, okay. I'm going to do it. Uh, and I watched uh, almost every Friday the 13th, or yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in the entire day. So I got from number one up to um, Freddy versus Freddy Jason, versus Jason <laughs> uh, which so I think I did the whole run uh, is what you could call it. And then the next day I watched the five hour documentary and then the the remake. So those ones don't actually count. But I think because I got one to Freddy versus Jason, I was like. I'm doing it. I was like, I'm locked in. I'll just finish it off because I've already, I've already seen the remake. So yeah, and and you also uh, watched a Freddy knockoff. Oh, I did, and so I didn't even, uh, which I had in my possession because it's yours, <laughs> and I didn't even realize it was a Freddy knockoff until I watched the documentary Never Sleep Again. And they were talking. They're like, yeah, you know, some Freddy knockoffs like Brain Scan, and I was like, Brain Scan. I was like, I got that fucking thing here in my possession. I was like, I might as well. You must not have remembered my original review for Brain Scan. Uh, I didn't. I, I have <laughs> since. Uh, when I vlogged it, I saw your review, and I was just like, huh, who knew? Who knew? So, so how far did you get? I only got to Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare last night. I thought okay. I thought that I wasn't going to be able to get to New Nightmare at least, but mm-hmm. alas. Uh, well, I mean, I, I might. Okay. Just, I'll probably just wind up watching it right away here anyway, just because... Yep. I mean, there's nothing left to watch on uh, the next Friday the 13th. We're, we're yep. free. Well, you are. I have some ideas oh, no. on, like, franchises I can hit next. Like, but maybe not. Maybe we're done. And now we can just watch whatever horror movie we want to on, on said day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how it goes. Um, so how's your experience been? Re, uh, well, so these are all rewatches for me. Mm-hmm. I, I had seen these all way back back when i was 13 i think because mm-hmm. um at the time my sister was in the hospital mm. uh as they as, when she was like whatever 10 or 11 because they just found out oh she has diabetes juvenile diabetes so mm. th- she was in the hospital dealing with that for uh several weeks and my parents were of course uh gone and i became a latchkey kid and uh, <laughs> so but my latch key came in the force of the occasional run to Blockbuster Video to rent whatever you want. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? It's time to put on my big boy pants and I'm going to be watching some 
Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So I'd be renting both of these, like, one and two, one and two, and mashing mm-hmm. them up and going through the whole franchise by myself because I'm like, these movies aren't so scary. I can watch these now. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm old enough because when I was seven years old, or actually, fuck, when I was, like, six years old, mm-hmm. the coolest thing I in the world to me was at Video Cinema – there mm-hmm. was a like f- like a life size standee of the Nightmare on Elm Street five, the Dream Child, Freddy, cool. with a baby carriage. You can uh, Google mm-hmm. search this. Just type in uh, Dream Child standee, and uh, this thing will pop up. And I I if I had like space, I would. I oh would, yeah, I would want I would want this thing because that's pretty cool. I, I would like come here. I would go to the video store and like just stare at it because I was like. Oh God! Like what? Like mm-hmm. what's the story here? Freddy's got like a a dream child. Like there's gonna be a, a fucking baby monster. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that. This is the most messed up thing I've ever heard of. So, and that's like when I saw Freddy Krueger, and I was like, oh. And I'd see those Nightmare on Elm Street uh, VHS uh, tapes like at the store as they like over the years get more and more sun bleached because it seems like mm-hmm. horror was always kind of like put off to the side. They always mm-hmm. had those freaky covers, but like I was always like, "What are these about?" And then like I remember like asking my uh, dad, like, "Hey, it's like, what, what's like Freddy Krueger about? Like, what, what's his origin story?" And, like uh-huh. I would do that with like Child's Play with Chucky, and like he'd have to like I think he bullshit quite a bit, just making mm-hmm. up some things because he's like he couldn't remember what the origins were. And this is before mm-hmm. he could just look it up. We know we didn't have uh, we didn't have that internet, mm-hmm. so. I have this fondness for the Freddy character. And I remember uh, in 91 that Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, when it was in theater, it came to Lethbridge. And it was in hmm. 3D for for like a segment of it, hmm. as the movie definitely doesn't let you forget, as a character mm-hmm. literally puts on 3D glasses that we're told is like high tech. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew a kid who got to see it, he alleged. He said that he mm-hmm. but but his description of like when Freddy blows up, I was like, what? And he showed me the Freddy because there was very like specific 3D glasses that had like the Final Nightmare printed on it. Right. I was so jealous. I wanted to see. Uh-huh. It so, I wanted to see it so bad. I don't blame you. So, 1997 comes around. I'm like mm-hmm. at this point, maybe in the last couple of years, like I've watched Halloween a whole bunch, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, gotta, I gotta watch these other ones. I gotta watch the other guys. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a lot of nostalgia, I think, wrapped up in that period of time watching these movies. Nice. Um, but I think my general sense of taste had started to develop even in 97 when I mm. when I started watching these things. And uh, pretty well, like, my impressions are consistent with my first viewings. Uh, actually, the one thing, though, I will say is, like, watching the first movie again, I was kind of, like, just a little... Taken aback by how shoddy Wes Craven is as a director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, like, I don't love the first movie as much as I... Like, I don't know if I've ever loved it. I thought it was... I think I used to think it was better mm-hmm. than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. But then watching, I was kind of like, huh. This uh, Ronnie Blakely, who plays Nancy's mom, she's, yeah. she's not so good. She, she... No. She she's uh there's a few characters like that that uh, don't uh don't hit the bar the way that they should probably. Yeah, there's some like most of the acting actually in this is not great. Like Johnny Depp's pretty natural. He's got a lot mm-hmm. of uh but yeah, the uh uh Jesus Garcia, the guy who plays Rod, he, mm-hmm. he's no good. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh and the other thing is like Freddy with his out his outreaching arms down the alley. 
mm-hmm. it looks so shitty. <laughs> I actually, I kind of like it. I think it looks, I, I think it looks neat. I, I realize it doesn't look great, but I, I, yeah. I I've always kind of liked that. I was like, yeah, that's neat. I like Ooh. much, I like much better when he appears from out of nowhere behind the tree. That, oh, that, yeah. that I think is like, like, it's like, you can see the compositing a little bit, but I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like, still holds up. And like, I will say that like the, uh, when Tia is, or Tina is just getting like mm-hmm. sh- ripped to shreds and being pulled up the wall and stuff. That's awesome. Like that yeah. is like, that's an incredible piece of, uh, set piece and practical effects all at mm-hmm. once. That's really, really good. Um, and I still don't understand the end of the movie at all not like not the final bit yeah. but like the whole thing with her mom like being sucked into like a nether realm and then yeah. like then the confrontation of freddie kind of appearing out of nowhere again and she's like i don't believe in you and he goes no but then it's like oh no but then it's still a dream the movie doesn't have an ending at all yeah. like it's just kind of like what is this thing well they they actually explain it a little bit in uh, that never sleep again like why because they they filmed like seven versions of that yeah basically because they were like it sounds like wes craven and uh bob shea had a lot of arguments oh, about bet. this movie on what it should be so that was like it was from what i gathered that ending was basically like a compromise between the two yeah, and it feels like it too mm-hmm. um, it just yeah it doesn't really make sense oh and also like johnny depp's death's amazing <laughs> oh Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Amazing. Like, so I think, um, I put, uh, I put one and three kind of on par with each other because I think some of the deaths in one are like, uh, like Tina's death and then Johnny Depp's death are, they're like so good. Yeah. So, so good. I so think violent. three has better deaths, yeah. uh, like indefinitely more gruesome stuff like the, the we'll get there, but, oh, um, yeah. yeah, number one, I, uh, I think some of the deaths in this and just like, um, I, I do like I really like the the opening vibe of this where it's just just a dude making his glove and you're just like if you had never like first time watching it you'd be like what is this like and it's so it's so wild so I I think one is actually really good um for like I don't know nostalgic reasons kind of like yeah. you yeah um yeah. but yeah so yeah I know it's still it's the the first and like it's kind of like the same thing where with uh like Friday the Thirteenth I, I think mm-hmm. I mean the first Nightmare on the Street is definitely better than the first Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, I think they get they do I think get a little bit better. Uh, I think yes. with three, uh, and then so but then you've got part two, Freddy's <laughs> Revenge, which mm-hmm. I've always like had a tough time with because it doesn't really make sense as a. Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like mm-hmm. the the Freddy thing seems like such an afterthought. I mean, it's set in the house, it's set on Elm Street. It's still mm-hmm. it's like it's Freddy Krueger. It's like it's all there, but like mm-hmm. his his plan, his whole thing, like Freddy's revenge. Like I don't understand it. Like I don't like mm-hmm. what is, what is his why does he have to work this way? Why does he have to possess people to like cause mayhem? He can just like go into people's dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so like are you? Uh, I saw that you ha- you have seen the Never Sleep Again. Would you check that out again? Because uh, I would. Actually... I, I just know it's super, super. Yeah. Like it's four hours long, and it's really good. Yeah, it it's it is it's really good. Um, so they do kind of explain like some of uh they explain every movie, but like yeah. especially for number two, kind of some of the like turbulent waters that were there for that, where it was kind of just like. The, the first one was a hit and they needed to fast track it. Wes Craven was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then, um, uh, sorry, um, Wes Craven didn't want to do it. So they're like, fuck, whatever, we'll just do it without you. So they kind of, they really 
pumped it out fast Mm -hmm. and then uh so this was one too that like when i had first seen it i was like i was like i don't like that i don't like all the weird stuff that they're like all these uh this like dynamic that they created and it was right after watching the first one and i was just like man i was like what a bummer but uh watching it again this time it actually like i um I, it wasn't as bad as uh, I, I remembered it. And right. I was like, well, I was like, I do still like a lot of the effects. And like, that's the one thing for all of these movies. It's like, generally, their practical effects always are like, pretty yeah. good. Oh, so yeah. it, so it's in, in two, I was like, that saves it a little bit for me. Like, uh, the transformation scene is pretty cool. And um, like some of the effects in number two, I think uh, save it a little bit. Uh, for me, it's still like, not not the best or anything like that but i do think it's funny too um they address in the documentary all of the like the gay illusions and stuff like that yeah. and uh it's it's Jack, really Jack shoulder it's it's so funny because they're kind of like uh they're all there's this like montage where they're like we had no idea and then it cuts to the next person is like it was never our intent we had no idea it was a gay movie and it like next person next person next person and then it goes to the lead actor and he's like it's a gay movie He's like a hundred percent. It is. He's like, look at it. He's like, uh, he's like, they might might not have like intended it for it to be like that. He's like, he's like, but now twenty years later, he's like, people champion it as like a as game that. movie. Yeah. So he's like, even if they didn't intend it, he's like, when you watch it, it's pretty hard not to realize. Uh, or like see, like make connections. I guess. Well, there is like the things like because I was watching it again closer this time because like mm-hmm. okay because there's like kind of three obvious things where it's like oh they're they're a coach he's mm-hmm. like this he's an snm weirdo who who yeah. there's this thing where it's like what's he uh what's he going to do with that skip rope that he just takes out it's like what's yep. he what's he going to do with that now and you're like huh and they never follow up on it and there's no like build up to it like the way that this movie would be made now like mm-hmm. in, in a contemporary way it would have such a different it would play so obviously now but yeah. in this is kind of like oh there it is or like the the dance sequence that's just like ugh i don't know it it's pretty awful well, and like yeah it's just like oh the, the some brevity I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, I don't know. I like, I like a little bit more despair, I guess. I'm, I've mm-hmm. been trained for despair, I guess, in our horror films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he even mentions too, he's like, he's like, yeah, I like the actor. He's like, I didn't really want to do it. And then he's like, and then I did it. And then afterwards I was kind of embarrassed by it. And he's like, <laughs> and cause he even said he was like, uh, he's like, when they cast me, he's like, I was, he's like, I'm an openly gay actor. He's like, I thought I was, was kind of, he's like, the character wasn't supposed to be it. He's like, but I am. He's like, mm. so that's, he's like, that's how I played it really. He's like, I was just kind of being myself. So he's like, he's like things in the dance. He's like, he's like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best to like <laughs> close the drawer with my butt and stuff like Oof. that. And he's like, but, and, and like, even the, the door has that sign that's like no chicks allowed. He's like, so he's like, whatever. He's like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, there was one more you were going to oh, say. Oh, the, uh, what was it? Shit, I I can't remember specifically, but no, my it's this movie does have the scene that I probably it's one of those moments like for VHS culture of like rewinding mm-hmm. a scene over and over and over again is the mm-hmm. at the party when the guy goes say hey hey man we're here to help you and Freddie responds help yourself yeah. fucker and I my, my friend Aaron and I thought that was the funniest thing we'd ever mm-hmm. seen in our entire life and we yep. watched it over and over and over again I, I don't know what it was but then you get the follow up that the iconic moment of like the the flames behind Freddie backlit mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. yeah and so apparently Wes Craven hated that 
because he was like he was like they threw the rules out the window he's just in he's he's like he's just at a pool party and it's like yeah it doesn't really fit but it does look cool it's like all, the, that, that whole sequence like him just like cutting people down left and right it's like oh yeah that, that's rad but yeah it is it but, is rad. But, they, but they never go back to it in any way other than every time we have to bring him back to this world and so i was like why are they doing this like again but we'll yeah. get there we'll get mm-hmm. there yep. uh but i think the for me the uh the the top of the pile of the nightmare franchise uh i, I yeah. like i used to be like kind of like well no definitely it's like the second best but i think it actually mm-hmm. is what well, especially because the other thing i was gonna say with freddy's revenge i think it is a better directed movie than the original like it feels a, like it, it's it, a little smoother it's a little smoother it's like again mm-hmm. i don't know how good a director Wes craven ever was mm-hmm. but like he was still figuring some stuff out uh jack shoulders definitely a more of an able hand even though the movie's probably a little bit more on the bland side in some ways yeah. But yep. oh, the thing I just remembered. Yeah, the other thing that kind of adds to the uh, the homosexual uh, element, I guess, is the because mm-hmm. you always see the main character with uh, Grady, and they're always shirtless together in the shower, in the locker. And then like yep. when, then when you do see uh, him with his girlfriend, it's kind of like okay, we're going to finally make out. And then he's like revolted. <laughs> it's like well, they address that too because in the next scene he goes to the friend. And he's like, she, he's like, something, something is trying to get inside my body. And then he's like, can I stay with you tonight? I don't want to be with my girlfriend. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then that, and then the scene that follows is when Freddie like blows out of his body. Yeah. So like they even said they're which like, is awesome. Um, well, you get the shot with like the the yeah. eye inside of his mouth, and he grows yeah. out. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they they address that too because uh, they talk to the screenwriter, and he's just like. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, we we wrote this thing in like a month. What do you want me to tell you? It, and if and it does feel like that with the stuff oh, with the exploding bird. Oh yeah, that's a. I think that scene is really silly, and yeah. the, and they they knew it too. They're like, I don't know. They're like, we were just trying to throw some shit in there to like basically the, fill time. Yeah, some go haunted house stuff. The house yep. is really hot. It doesn't even yep. feel, it doesn't lead to anything, other than like I guess flames because Freddie mm-hmm. likes fire, even though he shouldn't like fire. He shouldn't. She shouldn't, but it all pales in comparison to Chuck Russell, right? Oh boy, Chuck Russell knocking it out of the park here with Dream Warriors with uh, is it Lawrence Frank Darabont? Darabont, yes. And then the yeah. oh, I remember this is the one they they spend like a lot of time showing off like the the awesome storyboards because mm-hmm. they figured out some good stuff here. So yeah, this movie is like I guess the real sequel to the first movie because it actually follows up directly on mm-hmm. ideas set up in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get his origin story, the, yep. the, the child of a hundred maniacs, mm-hmm. the ultimate uh, edge lord uh, story. And she, of, uh-huh. course, of course, she's a nun. Of course. Well, it's only this movie's got very strong Catholic vibes, my man. Mm-hmm. Very strong, and I love it. And we I get, love every minute of it. We get the one one time appearance of Patricia Patricia Arquette, uh, mm-hmm. who's definitely like one of the better actors in the series. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, she does a really good job. She's in this, and then then they replace her with not Patricia Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> they they all talk about it, like the people who return, because they're like, yeah, well, in four we weren't sure, and then like they killed us anyways, and they're like, we don't really know why Patricia didn't come back, and it's like, you know why? <laughs> it's like you you know why she didn't come back you guys but uh even though yeah three is like like universally i think probably the most critically acclaimed one other like probably on par with the first one in some people's minds yeah so that so the some of the visuals in this and the deaths that we get we have uh snake freddy which is incredible yep yeah really really cool 
And uh, well, yeah, we also, we also have the return, the, the first return of a character other than Robert England with Heather Leth Lagenkamp. Yep. And her dad. Yes, that's right. John, John Saxon. Saxon's back so he can die. With mm-hmm. Spoilers. Spoilers, I guess. It's okay. It's it's from 1987. I don't, no one cares yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, and then she just shows up to so she can get uh, taken off the show too for now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this like the one scene that like I get from my memory of watching this stuff way back mm-hmm. decades ago now is the the marionette. Oh yeah, fuck that! Is, like it's that, amazing. That's that skeeved me out so much when I was young. Like I was like mm-hmm. that was like horrifying. I was just like oh my god. It's yep. just, it's so horrid. Like I, I that and even just like on the other side, like the the heroin suckling. Oh yeah, that that is also yep. like dark stuff. Like this movie, mm-hmm. it has like it it has like kind of a goofiness. I guess like I'm kind of burning that like because this movie also has um, Lawrence Fishburne in it. Young, oh yeah, young young Larry credited as Larry Fishburne. That's right, which is pretty funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, the the marionette scene is crazy like and it's still i think it looks great and you're watching it and you're just like holy fuck yeah this is some uh some serious shit they're going for here on this one um mm-hmm. that one is really cool uh the heroin scene is like definitely pretty wild um and then this one even has like the dungeon master uh <laughs> like thing and i think like unintentionally it spawned the thing where it's like everyone has to have some kind of connection to pop culture or gaming or something like that. Uh, I think in this one, it's fine. Like, I think it actually works, but it's definitely like, a, um, it's definitely like the, I think the origin of why all of these ones to follow have a scene yeah. like that. Yeah. As yeah, it builds to the power glove. Oh, and it, it does build to the power glove, which I think is one of the low points of uh, yeah. the series. Is cool. I mean, as cool as the power glove is, you know, yeah, not not great. And then we get a the the sequel to the Dream Warriors, the Dream Master, where uh, it's like a lot of the same characters show up just to be done. And actually, Dream Warriors has like a happy ending ish. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Dream Warriors has a happy ending, and it. Um, like things are concluded, and it's like, yeah, we we were done. We've sent him packing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to be said. Yeah, I I love the story with the kids, and yeah, it kind of ends on a nice note, which is which is really cool. Uh, yeah, and then you get to oh, and you we get also to have, the Dream Master. Well, then we have it. Uh, welcome to prime time, bitch. Oh yeah, which apparently was improv by uh, Robert England himself. What a genius. Yeah, that's well, that's the one thing too with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first movie. They do not shy away from how short Robert Englund is. Oh no, no, they're like, yeah, he's a little guy. But then, like by the time actually with uh, the final nightmare, they they kind of actually do kind of conceal that and make him tall mm-hmm. or like a bit more or seem taller. Yeah, uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, Dream Master. Even at this point, it's kind of foggy what this one's all about. Uh, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. And they even said like, they got this, the director was this dude from like Norway or somewhere. Oh, Renny, yeah, Renny Harland. Yeah, it's Renny Harland. Fin, uh, Finland, yeah. And uh, they said like at the time he was like a homeless guy and he was like, he's like, this saved my life basically. He's like, but it got put together really fast. Yeah, so Renny Harland, the man who brought us Cliffhanger, Deep Blue Sea, Die Hard 2, Prison, Remember Prison, mm-hmm. Twelve mm-hmm. Rounds, Mine Hunters, Long Kiss Goodnight, 
And he was a homeless man. Yeah, it's it was pretty wild. Like, so I've talked about it a lot, but um, that documentary is, as I know, you're a big fan of making of documentaries. That's the real winner here, and uh, yeah. lots of crazy stuff about why they picked him and and just him. He's like, yeah, it kind of saved my life. But yeah, no, it's yeah, it's a good documentary because it pretty well breaks up like into half hour segments covering each movie, mm-hmm. and it has like interviews with like everybody that's like available. I think except for you know Patricia Arquette and Johnny Depp. I don't mm-hmm. believe. If you... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think those are the two that uh, yeah. just couldn't return. Johnny Depp does return eventually, though. He, he does. He does. But mm-hmm. yeah, this one's like. Uh, so the one thing I will say too with the first three nightmares is there. I always felt like, and I really picked up on these vibes again. Mm-hmm. Some Twin Peaks vibes, and I and I wonder. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, was was David Lynch a was he a Fred head? He might have been. They uh, Twin Peaks gets a name drop in uh, Freddy's Dead. It does. Well, there's mm-hmm. like because there's like the stuff with Tina in the plastic bag, and uh, there's like this guy's name. His name's Fred. And he, and she, there's like a diary with this name of this man who comes in your dreams. And then in the second movie, you have uh, the kid who gets possessed by Freddy. It's sort of like this mm-hmm. like Black Lodge like kind of similarities. And then in the third movie, Dream Master, Angelo Badalamenti does the score. It's all lining up. The stars align. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that no, it's uh, I think it's kind of neat, like that stuff, and I think they were aware of it too. No, to a point. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, four. I mean, fuck. I, don't, I really not much to add or say about this one. No. Well, I think from uh, for the next three, they all kind of like jumble together. Um, four is better than five, five. and six. Uh, I like, I think, uh, four has a few, four still has a few really cool things like the, 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 the body the, of souls. Yes. And, uh, and when, it, when it turns on him and, yeah. he, and he gets pulled apart, that is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, the one, like this movie is, it's disjointed, but that is the one big saving grace for this thing. It's like, it's got that going. And it's got the, the cockroach death. Mm. <clears throat> Roach motel. Roach motel. And, uh, the guy who worked on this special effects was screaming mad George. No, oh, actually, I did see that, and I was like, no shit, no. Um, which is really cool. But yeah, no, Dream Master's okay uh, because of the effects, but uh, the story is, it's like a little wonky. And like, I think, it's like I said, the next couple too, the stories, they get looser, and you're just like, uh, whatever. And then there's like the weird thing about how like, as her friends get killed, she takes the pictures off the mirror, and then her hair gets less greasy because she's mm-hmm. absorbed uh, <laughs> the other character's powers. It's, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, then there's then yeah. there's Dream Child, which is an oddity. <laughs> it, it's like I, I kind of get where they're going with stuff. It opens up mm-hmm. with like the cold open of like mm-hmm. you get Freddy's origin in the insane asylum. You get the, mm-hmm. or the his not even his origin, his birth, and then uh, the whole movie is just kind of like filling in stuff that you weren't really asking about. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too because uh, when I when I hit Dream Master, I was like, ooh, step down, but still has effects. And then when you hit Dream Child, I was kind of like, oh, man. Uh, I was like, you still get some good effects, but uh, definitely, like, uh, it's like they're they're losing it a little bit. Because it's like, yeah, I, I see why they went with that story, but it's kind of like you said. It's like no one was really, really needed to know this stuff. You gave us enough information. Yeah, the, I mean, there's this kind of neat idea that, like, oh, Freddy can get through reality because he's like going into this 
inf- this like embryos b- dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's kind of an odd idea, but mm-hmm. then uh, it's like then you get these like dream sequences with like the child, this like creepy looking kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh And you get some you... real talk. Oh yeah, cuz there's like the, yeah, this is the one where it's like cause she's pregnant with a guy who's now dead who gets turned into uh Tetsuo the Bullet Man. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's like then the parents come out, show up out of nowhere. Yeah, we won't take the child from you. Mhm. Yeah, there, so this movie's got a lot about like choice and uh like um rights, like women's rights and stuff like that cuz they're like you can't raise her, you're crazy. And she's like, "Oh yeah." She's like, I'm not crazy, and I will raise this baby. And you're like, damn, girl, good for you. Do do whatever feels right. And her dad's an alcoholic, too, so there's even comments on that. Oh, right. So uh, they they tried. It's just, uh, again, it's like, meh. It's running out of steam. Yeah, it's running out of steam, and Freddy's looking weirder than ever by this point. (laughs) And then you get to Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Yep. Holy fuck, this movie's, uh, what a, what a, this is a tough one. Oh yeah, this one's definitely uh, it's got it's got all the worst stuff in it. Freddy's in full on Looney Tunes mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's really goofy, and uh, you you're not like you don't care about anyone. Like the movie is a parody of itself. I think at this point, I guess the one thing that now that I'm remembering, like when he's kind of getting he's getting goofier as these movies go on. But uh, in four, they have the uh, scene in the uh, the pizzeria, or like in the diner, and he orders a pizza, and he's eating mm-hmm. the soul, the faces of the souls. I think that's pretty. That's pretty good. Soul food, I think so, he calls soul it. Soul food, yeah, that's yeah. right. But mm-hmm. yeah, Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. It, it it just starts like off with this like weird note where it's like, oh, Freddy Krueger's killed all the children in in Springwood. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's like done with this like data thing. Uh, the one thing you can give this movie is like, it's very kinetic. Uh, the camera is always moving; it's always flowing. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you find out because this is the one that Peter Jackson was going to work on. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And then they got this woman to uh, kind of do it as well, and she's kind of doing this like Peter Jackson esque kind of thing. But I'm not sure how attached she is to this subject matter. Oh, and I just mm-hmm. realized that she also directed the Tank Girl movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen Tank Girl, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Freddy's Dead is a, another kind of weird one. You're, uh, I thought it, I think it's definitely like the bottom of the uh, the original run because you're, you're just like, it's tough to care at this point, even though like I, I will admit I love Freddy. I think he's super cool, and I love all the dream logic, dream sequences. So uh, you, you want it to be good, but you get to – Freddy's dead, and you're like, you're like, you're losing me, man. Those floating serpent heads, mm, mm-hmm. the, the 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 3D sequence. I I, I was yep. just like watching this. I'm just like, what are they doing? What am I watching? Yeah, it's uh, I I didn't know that was there, especially the end, like where the heads come out, and I was like, huh, okay. It seems like a lot of scenes are just so truncated. Like they just end mm-hmm. hard. Like they don't flow well. There's no like, tr- like moment to breathe. It's just like, oh, let's go to the next bit. Let's go to the next mm-hmm. one. And we have this woman who's like vaguely Demi Moore, mm-hmm. but we also have Yafit Kodo, and he's he's usually cool, but he's uh, he's just kind mm-hmm. of uh, talking about dreams, and he has this dream poster on his wall that he explains some exposition. We have Johnny Depp. We have uh, Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had no idea Roseanne was in this, and when I saw her, I was like, "Whoa!" It's like I love Roseanne, but then I was like, "Oh, I see what's going on." 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and we oh, get, well. Then we get that Twin Peaks drop. And that's where I yeah. left off. Oh, so you haven't finished. Oh, no, I, I did not revisit New mm. Nightmare, which I've only seen once. <clears throat> well, why don't uh, why don't I reserve my thoughts on New Nightmare, sure. Freddy, Jason, and uh, the remake? Like, my ranked list, you saw where I put them, but I have some opinions on those things. Okay. So. That's fine. Yeah. Fine. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Um, mm-hmm. You... Uh... You want, you want you got any news for me, RJ? Uh, movies are going to the home now, and that's cool. Because theaters are closed everywhere. Yep. We had the worst box office in whatever last week, and now we're not going to probably have a box office to speak of at all uh, mm-hmm. come come Friday. So that's like wild. Yeah, that's it's the new world, I guess. Right? What? It, but it's one of those things. It's like. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yep. Uh, well, in other news, we have the Criterion June 2020 announcements. We have finally, mm. after all this time, Frank Solano Santoro, he'll be very happy to hear <laughs> that Come and mm-hmm. See is finally coming mm. home to the Criterion Collection. Cool. Which seemed inevitable. Uh, one of those great horror, not horror films uh, about the real horror of World War II uh, on the Eastern Front. So that, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big one, and mm-hmm. uh, we have Tokyo Olympiad, which is coming back to the collection just by itself on blue, which is great. Oh, cool. I mean, I kind of wish that uh, at this point the Criterion would start putting stuff out in 4K because they're putting out the stuff with 4K restorations. Just just mm-hmm. do it. Just pull the goddamn plug, or like, or actually, mm-hmm. just pull the trigger more so than anything. Yeah. Uh, and as Justin alluded to, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's now mm. coming to the collection, a new movie to the collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now we don't have to watch it anytime soon. Uh, I'll, I'll, I will definitely wait the 10 years before I watch it, yeah. 100%. And then 100%. we've got uh, The Cameraman, a Buster Keaton movie. Hmm, That sounds cool. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to become a, a thing. I, got, I do have a big Buster Keaton Blu-ray set uh kicking around so i mean that's fine i haven't watched this, this cameraman yet but that's mm-hmm. neat that's neat uh then mm-hmm. we have some some prime new hollywood cinema with an unmarried woman directed by paul mazurski which i've not seen so that's cool it's been on my list mm. it's been on my list about being a a, a woman of the 70s mm-hmm. but yeah there you go well, that's cool that's pr- nice pretty nice yeah well you want to you want to talk about some uh Italians? Fellini. (laughs) Fellini. After the break, we get Mm -hmm. sold off to a strong man. But he looks like Anthony Quinn, so it's not so bad, right? Uh, Questionable. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy, and there is no place I'm going to. Tambourine man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I'll come following you Though I know that evening's empire Has returned into sand Vanished from my hand Left me blindly here to stand But still not sleeping My me, I am branded on my feet. I have no one to meet, and the ancient empty streets too dead for dreaming. Hey, Mr. 
Strada, filmed on location in Italy with an all-English-speaking cast, stars Anthony Quinn as Zampano. <laughs> La Strada introduces the winner of many awards as Best Actress of the Year, Giulietta Massina. Co-starring Richard Basehart as the fool, a mixture of rogue and philosopher, a passionate force in a circus of life. La Strada, a strange, unique tale of passion, possessing great tenderness, emotion, and searing human drama. A film reaching new heights in superb entertainment achievement. We're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about La Strada from 1954, directed by Federico Fellini. The tagline, RJ, mm -hmm. filmed in Italy, where it happened. <laughs> is uh, is that useful information? Uh, just just in case, just so you know what you're about to watch. Okay, good to know. When Gelsomina, a naive young woman, is purchased from her impoverished mother by brutish strongman, circus strongman, Zampano, to be his wife and partner, she loyally endures her husband's coldness and abuse as they travel the Italian countryside performing together. Soon, mm -hmm. soon, Zampano must deal with his jealousy and conflicted feelings about Gelsomina when she finds a kindred spirit in Il Mato, the carefree circus fool, and contemplates leaving Zampano. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing, RJ. Mm -hmm. I, this struck me this week for some reason. So this movie is known as La Strada, and there's a right. lot of like foreign films that are known by their foreign title, mm -hmm. but. So the La Strada it translates to the road, mm -hmm. but I, I wonder what the consistency of that is. Like, wh who who's decided this? I guess it's all about marketability. Some people mm -hmm. want someone like La Strada. We can sell that, <laughs> but other times, like there's movies in this, like where you're like, oh, why, why did they go with the Italian name sometimes or the like foreign language name sometimes mm -hmm. if it translates well or it just that's what stuck way back when, and they just I don't know. It's it's odd to me. It seems arbitrary, but I've never really thought about it too much until this week when it really hit. I'm like, why is this called La Strada? Why do we call it that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I thought about it too. I, I Googled it. I said, what does La Strada mean? And it said the road. And I was like, okay. 
This movie is definitely about being on the road. You you got that right, buddy. Yeah. So uh, one word to describe Lestrada. Bleak. This is mm-hmm. a, a bleak affair. And uh, it's definitely the most bleak thing that Fellini's done that we've watched so far. Oh, yeah. Because usually these movies are real goofball kind of uh, affairs. There's usually something like, there's some seriousness to them. But on the whole, there always is kind of like a, a lightheartedness. This movie has that too, but this movie is dealing with some some dark stuff. I had never mm-hmm. seen Lestrada. It's been Ooh. on it's it's been on my uh, to watch list. It's always brought up in high regard, like top five Fellini, forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever. Uh, it's just like never been really available um, for whatever reason. Places I'd have access to for getting out from libraries, mm-hmm. it just was never one that they had. They had other Fellinis, but they never had this one. So, uh, delay, delay, delay. Never watched it, and then you know now here we are because mm-hmm. that's our job, RJ. It's 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 watching it's watching this no matter what, no matter what's mm-hmm. going on, uh, whatever's going on in the world, it doesn't matter. We mm-hmm. we have a job to do. We we aim to serve, right? That's right, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, apparently, Fellini shot this bad boy early in the morning around Anthony Quinn's schedule as he was shooting Attila at the same time. And apparently he liked this early morning light because it lent itself to this bleak vibe that he was going in for. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, the the Wikipedia on this is pretty extensive. I was, sometimes they're not helpful. It's not helpful whatsoever. There's nothing to go off of. And you're just like, huh, why is this movie in the Criterion Collection? Nobody talks about it. But once in a mm-hmm. while, there's these movies, these Lestradas, that uh, these these movies have fans, and they make mm-hmm. sure that everybody knows everything a bit about it. So I'm not going to try to go too much into it because that's not that that's not what our show's about. Our show's mm-hmm. like, what's this movie about, and did we like it? So this movie opens up, and uh, it's just this family of uh, you know Italian like farmers like just villagers and uh this man shows up and everyone's like oh yeah we heard that rosa died it's, it's like oh mm-hmm. our daughter that like left with you she's dead and now you now you need a new one and it's mm-hmm. like well we've got this is the next oldest so by the time that she dies you can come back later and get one of these other girls who's going to grow up just nice and you can do it again it's mm-hmm. like so that's where this movie like goes and you're like what's what's happening here and then you kind of see the the gimmick where it's like, okay, he has a his own little like bicycle pulled uh, wagon. Mm-hmm. He, he goes to towns and he has this strongman gimmick where he just literally puts a chain around his torso <laughs> across his shoulders. Uh-huh. He puts a little piece of fabric over the, the lock mechanism so he doesn't uh, cut himself and he warns this to people. Well, it's for their protection, not his, right? Exactly. Which he uh, he states all the time. He says it would not bother me at all if this punctured my skin, but it will bother you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Joel Smina, who's being played here by a Federico's wife, we've seen many times before, Knights of Cambria. So yeah, Julietta Messina, his wife. Uh, so she's she's there for the long haul. She doesn't talk very much. You're kind of like, is something wrong with her? She's 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 just kind of sheepishly going along with this. He wants her to go around with a hat collect the money at the end of the show and uh, do a little bit of a drum, a drum snare, a little bit of a trumpet thing, get the people into it, do sort of the bit. Uh, they have like a bit of different uh, material they're trying out, doing this kind of so-called husband and wife thing. Though I guess they never get married. Uh, no, they just, they say they're like, 
they say that they are. Yeah. And like for all intents and purposes, they are. But uh, yeah, they but, didn't, they never show it. Maybe yeah. it happens off panel. Yeah, off panel. That's right. It's just off frame. Uh-huh. So she uh, she gets shown how to snare a drum, and uh, he starts you know lashing her across the legs with a twig until she starts responding to him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on, it's like, well, it's time for bed. <laughs> and uh we get we get some off panel rape, RJ. Yeah, I've I uh I noticed. Uh I wasn't a huge fan of it, but uh, at least it was off panel. No. You're kinda yeah. like, how does how does this Zampano guy come back from this? Like what are we setting up here? Is this some like He doesn't. Uh, he, he doesn't. And do you keep thinking like, is there gonna be some comeuppance on this? Not really. Oh. Not, not really. So he's uh he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we kind of see them going through the motions of this bit, uh, making their living. But you know, he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's a real dickhead. And yes, he is. So eventually, she does. Uh, she does leave him. Uh, makes her way into town on her own, and then we get this like actually pretty cool uh, trapeze act. That's uh, Il Mato the Fool who's doing the high wire thing. Mm-hmm. But we don't. It's kind of a composite of like a, probably a real person doing it from afar, uh, eating eating some spaghetti as uh, people do uh, up up above. And it's like, oh, he seems like a real goofball, real charmer. Zampano mm-hmm. was not a fan. He's not a fan of any of this. Mm-mm. He forcibly takes her back. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, it's kind of, yeah. I, I guess forcibly is the right word to say there. Yeah, he doesn't like this idea of her stepping out because he can. Uh, he can go around town, sleep with whoever he wants, and whenever he he does that, it's like, hey, you stay here in the middle of the streets, and I'll <laughs> I'll come back for you, or you can come find me. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll be sleeping it off, and that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, he uh, and I mean, a lot of people try to tell her they're like, it's like, wh- why are you waiting here? You shouldn't wait, and it's like you shouldn't go find him either. You should, you should just leave. Should and she's like, sleep. no, I, I can't, I can't. So, so eventually, they uh, they meet up with a, a traveling circus. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know what? This is like probably a good thing. You know, you're not having to worry about every meal. You've got some uh, community. You've got some reliable work. Uh, it takes the load off. And so mm-hmm. they, they, they sign up. But this, I think it's like pretty well at the same time. This El Mato guy, he's also signed up. And this Zampano, he doesn't like this El Mato guy. You get the, there's some implications that uh, that Rosa woman, mm-hmm. that, that sister, <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, she she kind of liked him too. Mm-hmm. And so there's this underlying, like, what the hell happened to the this Rosa? What what, what was her end? Well, how did she die? A fair question, indeed. So uh, we we get we get to see the the same old shtick, the the strongman act once again. Il Mato, he's uh, he's he does his thing. Everybody loves it, but he shows back up to basically just take a big steaming shit all over this this stale act. And he's like, I don't know why. I just feel I have to, I have to uh, do this. Because I, I, it's so it's so lazy and so boring, and I think it's mm-hmm. funny. And you get so mad, so mad uh, mm-hmm. that it starts turning into these bouts of violence. It kind of reminds me of the White Sheik a little bit. There's some uh, mm-hmm. some chasing around, uh, running around, people threatening to kill one another. Mm-hmm. But in this one, there's actually a knife. Eventually, gets drawn after a pail of water gets dumped on him. 
And uh, because of that, we get a big chase. It's like, he's going to get killed. But then the police do get involved and Zampano is taken away. This is once again, so now they're out on their ass. Not No one's employed by the circus. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to figure out what she's going to do now that uh, Zampano's probably, like he's in jail or prison or something. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Jill Samina, she catches up with Ilmato again. And uh, they seem to like, Get, like Omato is like maybe not the type of guy you want to settle down with, but he seems like a nice enough guy. He's just kind of a kind of a goof. Yeah, he he doesn't. Well, he he definitely probably wouldn't do the other things that uh, the, the the Bono is doing. That that Some, all that stuff. The uh, mm-hmm. the constant abuse and so a, other, a better uh, alternative and, and actual crimes. The criminal mm-hmm. behavior. Uh, we get kind of the crux of the film a little bit here. The uh, I'm just going to like about how everyone has a purpose, mm-hmm. even a pebble, even she. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's a nice little speech. It's just, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, Chelsea she winds up uh, coming back to Zampano once he mm-hmm. uh, gets out and comes looking for her because mm-hmm. he, he's put an investment into her. It's like, Hey, you're mine. I, I, I can't just tr- train anyone to, be my uh, hat collector. I give you that like nice hat, those nice clothes uh, mm-hmm. that I keep in the back of this wagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they hit the road, and you start like the first half of this. I was like probably not super into. I will say I was kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is fine. This is okay. I find it's the second half of the movie that like you start getting into like the some. Uh, gut punchery that where you're like oh my god like it's just like so brutal Mm -hmm. uh the they're on the road sleep like it's getting they're going into the mountains it's kind of turning to winter and like everything just feels colder and even more bleak than the subject matter uh has been Mm -hmm. and they they stop at a nunnery because they might run out of fuel uh they stay in the barn they, they, they're trying to have a conversation. She's trying to, like, open up to him. He even says, hey, we, we could still get married. And, like, what do you think about me and all this stuff? And she just doesn't care. Zampano's just, he's a scheming. He's always plotting. He wants to steal some silver out of this old, like, <laughs> nun churchery barn mm-hmm. thing. That's all he cares about. She's like, what are you doing? Nothing I do changes anything. You're just terrible all the yeah. time. Yep. <sighs> and then, yeah, just, like, her reactions... Is it are just like oh fuck? It's so very. She's a very expressive face. I've mm-hmm. seen some people make comments about uh, about her as a performer, uh, Messina. Mm-hmm. Like she's very one note and like kind of this cartoonish little character, uh, kind of this mm-hmm. pixie. Uh, apparently, Fellini actually, because this is his wife. Keep in mind, uh, he was like cutting her hair himself and making her like look this particular way with this like kind of sloppy haircut <laughs> and she was mm-hmm. like he's and apparently he like wasn't that great to her on set either she's like why do you treat everyone so nice but not me <laughs> it's like it's kind of kind of weird it, it it is yeah that's uh it's a little kubrickian uh of a, an approach eh? to his but to her shelly duvall i actually um i thought she did a really good job because she's kabiria right yeah yeah so like i i've mentioned in that one like I didn't like Kabiria as a character because I thought Kabiria was annoying. But like uh, in this, I thought that I was, I was like, yeah, I, I think she's doing a great job at this. Like she's expressive, but I think in the right ways. So yeah. I, uh, I, I had a whole 180 with this, uh, this lady as an actress. I was like, I think she's good in this. Yeah. Yeah. 
and not I didn't think she was bad as Kabiria either. I just I don't like the the character Kabiria. Right. That's all. So eventually Zampano and uh Jolsamina, they cross paths with Ilmato, who's on the side of the road flixing fixing a tire. Mm-hmm. And uh of course you're like, oh boy, what's this Zampano gonna do? There's no one around to stop it or break it up. He just like mm-hmm. he gets off the, the little motorcycle, he goes over there and just starts beating the shit out of him. He's punching him in the head, in the face, hitting him back into the engine block. And then Elmato kind of just like says, oh, my wa- my watch is broken. And then he kind of stumbles off and collapses. And then, mm. he, and then he dies. And uh, Zampato's like, oh, shit. He hauls that carcass up on his shoulders, dumps him over by a bridge, goes over, wheels that, uh, that wagon, pushes it over the edge, makes it look like an accident. And then, then they hit the road and just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is, what is this Fellini? This is like some dark stuff. And Fellini says, this is like the movie he thinks of as like his personal favorite. And like this, 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 this is, this is, this is like, and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> like mm-hmm. his, his movies don't have this. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and so, and then we get a deal with Jill Samina and her like, just like brokenness. Mm-hmm. And like, even like Zampano is like kind of feeling real bad. He's like, what, what's the problem? Like what? And he's like concerned for the very first time in this mm-hmm. whole thing. He's actually kind of concerned about her. And, uh, you know, they're off in the middle of nowhere, like stopping by these like little roadside, little abandoned villages, heating up their stew. Mm-hmm. And then she starts to kind of like snap out of it. He tries to justify his actions. Says like, I shouldn't have to go to jail. Just, I just threw a few punches. That seems hardly worth it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what they all say? The, uh, the people who commit crimes, it's like, well, it's just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Yeah. So eventually she seems to be in a good place. They seem to be in a good place. And she uh, she goes to sleep. And then he gets up and uh, leaves some clothes, some money, mm-hmm. and uh, his trumpet that she's become very fond of. And mm-hmm. uh, he takes off without her. And I don't know. Did you ever watch the uh, ballad of Buster Scruggs? No, I never. I so, I was going to sometime recently, but so no. I didn't realize because when I was watching this, there's a one of the short stories in this. It is mm-hmm. very Lestrade-ish. Uh, it involves okay. uh, a man who has no uh, no arms or legs, but he, and he's got he's got like the kind of the memory thing going on. And there's this mm-hmm. old man driving around in a wagon, taking him town to town as an attraction. And it this has such a similar vibe to it and this kind of like dark bleakness to it. So I'm like mm-hmm. pretty sure that those uh Cohen brothers are fans of uh Fellini. So I'm like, oh, I'd never even heard that mentioned before. Cause I don't know how many people mm-hmm. even watch La Strada these days. Yeah, that's a good point. Or like would piece it together even. Yeah, but now it's like, oh shit, that's like way too much of a coincidence. But uh, so anyway, we get kind of a time jump. Some some yeah. Zampano's still doing the same old thing by himself. Mm-hmm. He's getting older. Everything seems a little less uh, impressive. He hears some a woman singing a tune somewhere. He's like, "Hey, that's that song that she played on her trumpet. Where do you learn that?" And then you find out, "Oh yeah, no, she uh, she came through here once, and then she stuck around for a while until one mm-hmm. day, uh, until she just died." <laughs> <laughs> they uh they put it so delicately too hey and you're like huh you're not gonna get that big follow-up of everything working out better huh mm-hmm. nope not not this time <laughs> it's uh real real dark stuff and uh zampano just like he gets to 
back to whatever he was doing before, which I feel like was drinking. But now it seems like mm-hmm. he's even more pathetic of a wretch. Wanders out onto a beach and he just mm-hmm. wallows around, breaking down into tears. It's sad, man. Yeah, so not for him. Not for, yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you're like, fuck, fuck this guy. He's he's horrible. But mm-hmm. so I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about this movie. Uh, all said, because I guess it's this idea of like. I maybe mean, maybe it's just like the the Catholic guilt thing, RJ. I know you've got, oh. you've, you've, you've I, I don't I don't know. I don't have that. I don't have any. True, true. But uh, I, so, I, I I feel conflicted about like this story existing and how it's presented. You're like, is this it? Like, is am I objecting mm-hmm. to this idea of this? Like, is this the way this this tale is told? Is mm-hmm. it necessary to get to this? Not because it doesn't even have like a wrap up. There is no redemption. It's kind of teased at, and it's we don't know if it if there is anything for this guy, and if this mm-hmm. woman's purpose, her pebble like purpose in this guy's life, did it come to anything? And you're like, oh, is that her story? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. When I finished, I was kind of like, oh, that's it, hey? That's it. It's just a story uh, about being sad and sad stuff happening to good people, you know. Yep, for the most part, pretty much. I guess uh, Fellini suffered a nervous breakdown. Uh, oh, jeez! As, as just as he finished up uh, shooting the movie, required mm-hmm. uh, some Freudian analysis to get him out of it. <laughs> who who couldn't use with some good Freudian analysis nowadays? Yeah. Am I right? I, I I don't know. I don't know. What did he have a breakdown about? Was it just stressful or just, what? He just went into a depressive funk, apparently, huh. and uh, needed help to get out of it. Well, it shows in the movie. The movie's kind of a depressive funk on its own. Yeah, no, like I said, like, this movie, yeah. I wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I'm like, oh, it's a movie about clowns. <laughs> it's about a clown. So, and, like, I know I've seen uh, Juliana, and, or Juliana and stuff. She's always like, oh, she's lighthearted, and she's a little bit of that. Then, But then we have mm-hmm. Anthony Quinn. <laughs> And it's like this lout. Apparently, Burt Lancaster was uh, the first pick by Dino De Laurentiis, who produced this. Mm-hmm. But uh, that didn't happen. Huh. Yeah. I don't know what that would have been like. I'm not going to think about that. No. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I'm still trying to maul what I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a, uh, a pr- pretty good, very good movie. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know what what I really think. So I'm curious, RJ, what do you think? As you are the, uh, the 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 professional thought meister, the maestro of the, Fellini and Fellini cinema, and the Fellini esque. Uh, some people would say I'm probably the probably the world's most authoritative Fellini figure. Yes, Pro- probably. Without, yeah, without question. Uh, without question. Um, so I, yeah, I um, I thought it was good. Uh, it is a major bummer, though, and like. I don't know if it's just like, you know, like the climate of the world right now. I was watching it and I was just getting so bummed out. I was like, man, I was like, I don't like Zampano. And I know you're not supposed to. But it's like, it bums me out that there are these kinds of people in the world. It's like he would be the guy who would like sell toilet paper out of the back of his car and be like $50 a roll. And you're like, Zampano, <laughs> you're a bad dude. He would 100% would be that guy. Yeah. He'd buy up all the hand sanitizer in like three states and just be like, if you want it, I'm a businessman. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, bad dude. Uh, and then you feel really bad for the lady too, because she's, she seems like such a sweet girl. And it's like I said before, I actually thought her acting was really good in this. So uh, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of like in the middle. Um, 
I think it's a like I think it's a pretty well made movie. Uh, I like it. Um, it did bum me out quite a bit. And then I was very similar to you at the end. I was kind of left left wanting to, in the point where I was kind of like, what did it mean? I was like, maybe it didn't mean anything. Maybe it's just you know some people just have really shitty lives, and then they die. Like maybe that's all it is. And it's like that's kind of a bummer if that's that's like what the point of the movie is. But uh, yeah, I was um. I'm mostly on in line with you too. Like, uh, um, there, there's things I like about it, like a uh, good, good, well-made movie. But, uh, at the end of the day, I was kind of like, I wonder, I wonder what it all meant. <laughs> I don't have any answers, but I have, I have the question, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, not the most interesting take for this uh, Criterion Collection podcast, but uh, yeah, by the end of it, I was kind of just like, I don't really know what to uh, to think of it all. Uh, it's like it's a good movie. It's well made. Um, it's a Fellini thing. Uh, it's got a lot of Fellini esque stuff. Well, like how about those? Uh, he always has, and I've, I think I brought this up with White Sheik, and I've mentioned it in other movies. I'm like, yeah, that's like a Fellini thing. These like mm-hmm. plains, these like flat kind of like grassland dirt planes and you've all these mm-hmm. figures kind of moving about into it and the movie has like the even has like the surf the circus ending <laughs> where it's like or, or, you oh, have like, yeah. or you have figures moving around you have these like this sort of moment of celebration uh near mm-hmm. the end not the total ending but near the end you have like all these circus people come because like Fellini loved that goddamn circus and stuff but yeah mm-hmm. you always have these villages um in these communities out in the open and I, I mean i've never been to italy i have no frame of reference of like if is this just like a stylization mm-hmm. of his like uh upbringing and like this or is this like like what italy still looks like is like a lot of like countrysides and people just mm-hmm. living in these like huts <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. i don't know he always has that and he shoots in a particular way and this is the movie that like he's on his way to transitioning into kind of uh the style that we really know, mm-hmm. but there's always, it's like all these little like drips and drabs of like those, um, affectations of his filmmaking are just like coming along more and more. Mm-hmm. But, but this one is just like, it's such a dark, not like, I don't, I mean, it's, I don't find it life affirming. <laughs> no, neither do I. Like, uh, it's a major bummer, Jer. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh it's kind of hard to, um, but, it, but, it, but it's not like this overbearingly depressing movie, though, either. It's just kind of no, like it's shocking no. how, like, huh, you look at this movie poster on Letterboxd, and she's, like, hugging a, a lamppost, and it looks like a, a fun time with a circus man and this mm-hmm. delightful young woman. It's all smiles and sunshine. <laughs> not the case. No. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a strange one, man. I'm not sure what the, it's like, like you said, I, I'm not really sure what the intent was, kind of. Other than just telling a story, maybe, but... Well, so yeah, this is the thing. Like, so there's quite a bit about um, Fellini's process. Like, he, mm-hmm. he, there's some good, some lengthy quotes of him talking about he was looking for a kind of tone that lurked, which made me melancholy and gave me a diffuse sense of guilt, like a shadow mm-hmm. hanging over me. This feeling suggested two people who stay together, although it will be fatal, and they don't know why... The, these and then it continues. These mm. feelings evolved into certain images: snow silently falling on the ocean, various <laughs> compositions of clouds, and a singing nightingale. What is the nightingale? I don't know. 
<laughs> it's just stuff that was in his mind when he was coming up with this idea and working through it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's this one bit here. Uh, the idea for the character Zampano came from Fellini's youth in the coastal town of Rimini. Mm-hmm. A pig castrator lived there who was known as a womanizer, according to Fellini. This man took all the girls in town to bed with him. Once he left a poor idiot girl pregnant and everyone said the baby was the devil's child. What does that mean? I don't know. What do they mean by the devil's child? It's a little rough, no? It's a little rough. Hmm. So, yeah, it seemed like this movie came out of a dark place for him. And maybe he, okay. he was excising some uh, of these dark thoughts with the project, plunged mm-hmm. himself into a depression, and then he came out the other side okay. Mm-hmm. Well, because, I mean, like, when people talk about like, kind of, like this like melancholic filmmaking, I feel like uh, Bergman gets brought up more in okay. this context rather than Fellini. Fellini always seems, like, pretty robust. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this movie has the Nino Rota score, which I think... Uh, is it's got those Fellini beats to it that was mm-hmm. uh, that he, uh, Nino wrote because he worked with them so often he is the soundtrack to so many of his movies. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I yeah, it's just such a oddity. I wasn't yeah. expecting it at all to kind of uh, feel this way or like mm-hmm. play out the way it does. We're just like it's unrelenting because I mean we've watched movies, you know, Amarcord. It's like oh hey, the kids are all jerking off in the seats in the car together. <laughs> and you're like that's fun mm-hmm. and movies mm-hmm. about in big tits. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. the, that's that's my Fellini, not 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 like oh she's being raped, <laughs> but it's like that's and it's like it's like well you know that's a husband's right, am I mm-hmm. right? Uh, I as always <laughs> I'd like to distance myself from the opinions of anything said on the show, and uh, I just like to say that these are characters we play for a podcast. Uh, I, I also, I'll give you credit, man. Uh, I didn't give you much to work off of, so I think you're doing a good job at, uh, bringing it all home. No, thanks. Nice work, dude. Thanks. So yeah, yeah, with the, uh, I don't know if you ever have an issue with the Italian sound recording in these movies. Uh, I mean, not that I noticed, but I, I'm very clearly the wrong guy to ask. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, we'll get to those who hates. Maybe we should just jump right to that. Uh, sure. Let's take a look. Yeah, I think that's about all I've got to say. So, RJ, who hates mm-hmm. Lestrada? I don't know. The usual bunch. Mm-hmm. We have Sunyan. I see him. Half a star. I've never been more angry while watching any movie, ever. I'm not really sure why. Uh, this person has a YouTube channel in their link, if anyone would like to check out what they're all about. Uh, big uh, Edgar Wright fan, so I can only assume that they go on Twitter and yell at people for uh, simple miscommunications and uh, things of that nature. Five stars to Baby Driver, so tells you what you want to know. This person also gave half a star to Playtime and uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, fuck off. So That's take just, that as whatever that means. Madness. Just uh-huh. madness. I don't know. That's okay. That's what they think, I guess. Josh, the boss, half a star. Okay. All right, that does it. I'm done with Fellini. He shouldn't have been let near a film camera to make his wank fest movies. The characters, shit. He made his wife some perfect cute character. The plot is shit. She goes from field Mm -hmm. to field sometimes meeting some abusing guy. I zoned out after 45 minutes and played with my phone. 
the cinematography is shit. Mm-hmm. They just put the camera anywhere without thinking about how it looks of mise-en-scene. There is nothing redeeming or appealing about this film. It reminded me of Igmar Bergman's Sawdust and Tinsel, but that wasn't so fucking irritating and also came out a year earlier. What the fuck, Fellini? <laughs> what indeed? Uh, this person's a big David Fincher fan. They gave five stars to the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake. Yep. The remake, Jared. Uh, here's some half-star reviews that might interest you. Half a star to Thunderpants. Uh, so apparently Vestrada is as good as Thunderpants, a movie I've detailed quite a bit. There you go. Uh, Bad Taste, the Peter Jackson film, eight and a half, Le Cirque Rouge, uh, and Cannibal Holocaust, all half-star films, apparently. There you go, folks. <clears throat> and Sad. finally, Johnny B, one star. Mm-hmm. Lestrada had potential to be a very moving story, but fell insanely short. The most jarring choice made was to have some actors speak English while others spoke Italian. In both audio options, things had to be dubbed, which made it look awkward. The strange, the, the next strange decision was how different the subtitles were from what was actually being said. Even in English, this was the case. It made zero sense. The relationship mm. between, between Gelsomina and Zampano had potential to be extremely deep and moving, but the script was very weak, and the scenes changed at an extremely unnatural pace. Overall, a very poorly executed film. I honestly have zero idea how this can have a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I mean, that makes sense for Johnny B. They're real, uh, flash in the pan, five star to things like hell or high water, three billboards over Ebon, Missouri, Deadpool two, hereditary Roma. You know what I mean, Jer? You know what I mean? I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. The artist, apparently, which (laughs) I haven't heard anyone talk about in like seven years. Except for on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um, this idea though, that the most jarring choice had to be make, making the actor speak English while they spoke Italian. It's like, yeah, I guess if you mm. if you don't know about the history of like Italian cinema and how they didn't record sound. Mm. In fact, there's mm-hmm. like some weird thing where characters or the actors would do things where they talk in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And mm-hmm. they, they would say their lines with accentuation if they were saying the words like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the mouth is just kind of like moving around. And they're like, yeah, go mm-hmm. a little faster on the 27 or something like that. Like, it, I was reading the process. I'm like, that's so weird. How do you even work that way? I, mm-hmm. it's, it's baffling. But they did it. An entire industry survived and thrived uh, with this weird mode of recording sound. And some people don't even notice. See, that's, a, that's like something that I wouldn't notice, but I would draw attention to. But it didn't, even, it didn't bother me. I never noticed. No. What's the big deal? What's Ooh. the big deal? Yeah, I don't know why these people even watch movies. I don't know why I watch movies for that matter. Very well. Mm-hmm. Any uh, final thoughts here on La Strada? Uh, no, it's it's not bad as far as the Fellini joints go. It's uh, I don't think it's like super terrific, but mm-hmm. it's all right. It's pretty good. It's a it's a weird one for me for sure. I'm uh, it's good. I'm but I'm mm-hmm. undecided on how I really feel about it. That's fine. It's That's t- fair. It's a tough nut to crack for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. After the break, um, RJ's dead, and I'm very sad on a beach. It's it's about time, man. Hopefully, none of those other things happened beforehand. 
hopefully you get a little ice cream cone like uh like he does and eat it in one bite <laughs> just wolf that that bad boy down <laughs> or i just start smacking your legs with a stick till you learn how to podcast properly hey wake up wake okay. wake up right, one two three four one two three four Busted flat and Baton Rouge and heading for the trains Feeling nearly faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down just before it rained Took us all away to New Orleans I took my harpoon out of my dirty red bandana And was blowing sad while Bobby sang the blues With them windshield wipers slapping time And Bobby clapping hands We finally sang a favorite song that driver knew RJ, would you ever run away and join the circus? Uh, I've definitely thought about it, but I don't, uh, only if it was like, uh, that German circus where they had the, um, hologram animals. That's, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Have you heard about that? It's I really have not. Neat. It's a, some, some circus in Germany, they outlawed all the animal stuff and it was just, a, it was all hologram and people were like, it's actually way cooler because there aren't any like tortured animals here. <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Not, Not bad. a bad idea. Well, mm-hmm. maybe next week will be holograms too. I hope so. You can email us at criterioncruise at gmail.com and become holograms. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got mm-hmm. a Patreon. We might need it now more than ever. Mm-hmm. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. All that stuff. Tumblr. Tumblers. Mm-hmm. Next week, Spine 220. A little bit of Canadiana. Mm-hmm. We got uh, David Cronenberg in the house. Fitting. Is his return. It is. It's a fitting entry for our current days, you know. And uh, with that, we'll be watching his Naked Lunch adaptation from 1991. <gasps> Based on the book. Based on the book. Are you, you have time to read it now? Are you going to oh read my, it? I'm never. No. <laughs> Fuck that book. Good call. Well, until next week, I hope everyone mm-hmm. stays healthy and alive and uh, mm-hmm. don't don't use up all the toilet paper. Yeah. yeah, don't use it all up. Especially when you're eating all those beans. Oh, you better believe it. T- do what we do. Stay home. It's better for you. Just do it. Never leave again. Never, ever. <laughs>